Welcome to the Lifehouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. But what I love about our church is that we are real. Uh, We don't stand on this platform and preach to you out of a place thinking that we've got it all together. Uh, I don't have it all together. Um, And you're going to see a bit of that this morning. Um, And we go through hard times. We struggle in life. uh, All sorts of things go wrong. And yet we have a God that gives us grace, that loves us and that forgives us. And he knew we were going to stuff up the whole time throughout it. And that's what I love about this church is that I never leave feeling guilty. So can I say this morning that this is not a message that uh, you should leave feeling guilty about. This is a message that you should leave feeling God's grace, being challenged. You should feel his forgiveness. Uh, you should look at um, the amazing sacrifice he's made for each of us in Jesus. So uh, would you all just pray with me now and we'll jump into it. Thank you, God, for your love. I thank you that despite the circumstances we're in, uh, what sort of week we've had coming into This morning, what's happened in our lives this year, what's happened over the last 10 years, that you love us all the same. You don't care about what we've done, what we're about to do. Uh, You just love us and your grace is there for us. And Lord, I pray this morning that you would be all over everything I say, that it would not be my words, it would be yours, that I would get out of the way and let you have your way this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's an absolute privilege to speak to you this morning. I, uh, yeah, I, I, like I said earlier, I really struggled in putting this together. Everything came at me, distractions, uh, you know, I'd sit down and I'd start reading it and then I'd, like, I'd get distracted by something else that's going on and I'd, like, not do it or I was, there was moments where I felt like, you can't do this, Mark, you're preaching to yourself, um, how can you possibly talk to others about this? Because you've got you're struggling with this issue yourself. Um, there was moments when uh, I thought, I'm not a preacher, I'm not a pastor, I'm not good enough to do this. Uh, and yet, through the process of preparing this, I really felt like God was saying, uh, I've given you a word, so share it. Who do you think you are? <laughs> um, yeah, fair point. Uh, have you ever said or done something in your life? where you wish like you could grab every word that's come out of your mouth and just pull it back in and just go, I can't believe what I've just done. What am I doing right now? How am I portraying myself to this person? What have I just said? Well, I had one of those moments last weekend, and who knows what happened last weekend? Mother's Day. Yep, I did it on Mother's Day. Um. I'm not going to stand up here and boast about how good breakfast in bed was the morning before, where I left all the dishes in the sink for V to clean up later on in the day, or how amazingly well I packed all the gifts that Vanessa had bought for herself in the weeks prior into a brown paper bag and left it on the bench for her in the morning, or how I had arranged this amazing Mother's Day dinner with my family but I got stuck in the shed doing some stuff and got distracted, so I forgot to put the takeaway order in and then forgot to tidy the house. And let's just say those things happen, but 
the lowest point. The bit where I was doing this was where I said, you know, this whole weekend isn't about you. <laughs> you know, I asked Fee, how can I try and tell this story to the church this morning? And she goes, well, I don't know how you can do that without sounding like a douchebag. <laughs> so if you're here this morning or if you're online watching and you feel like, I'm not going to listen to another word this guy says, can I just encourage you to reflect on those times in your own life <laughs> where you wish like you could have done this? Oh man, it was like just one of those moments and I, I, I just wish I could have grabbed everything back and I've been on my best behaviour all week as a result. <laughs> Hands up if you had one of those moments in life. Come on, are you kidding me? There's a few hands. If you're watching online, this is a very holy church. Um, no, we've all had those times in life, and that's what I want to talk about this morning. The moment where you think about yourself and you go, what have I just done? What am I saying? How is this coming out in my life? That's not the person I am. Why am I doing this? Why are they thinking of me like this? That's not me. Um, I don't know if you're like me, but I often have those moments. I'm constantly having those moments where I reflect and I look back. And in preparing for this message, I actually found some comfort in the fact that I'm not the first person in history to have felt this way. Um, in fact, it's happened and there's stories of it all throughout the Bible. Um, and I want to focus on one particular story this morning and one particular verse, and that's where Paul is speaking in 2 Corinthians, and he's ch talking to the church of Corinth. So this is, um, this is a, a period where he's actually writing a letter to them, so it speaks to the fact that he's not with them face-to-face -face talking like this, he's writing a letter to them. Um, and it's after he's visited them in the past, but he's heard they're playing up. They're doing those things that I've done that you've done, they're stuffing up, they're being naughty, they're gossiping, they're doing silly things, they're not portraying um, the sort of people that they should be. And, and Paul writes this letter to them, and 2 Corinthians is a great letter because it's like pointed, and yet it's full of grace. Um, so I, I encourage you, if you can read that, um, take, take the time to read it because it's an amazing, uh, amazing book of the Bible. But I want to focus on this verse from 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. And it focuses on, on this word of ambassador. So if you can read that with me. We are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. What an amazing verse. What a verse full of um, responsibility full of direction, encouragement, full of all the things that we should look to do. And that's what I want to unpack with you all this morning. Um, this is not insignificant, this verse. What Paul is saying here is a number of things. Um, but to be an ambassador, to speak on behalf of the creator of this universe, and to have to share the message of Jesus Christ... That's not an insignificant thing. And I want to look at this concept this morning of being an ambassador. What does it look like? What does it look like in our day-to-days? What does it look like when we go to school? What does it look like when we're studying at uni? What does it look like as a grandkid when we're looking after our grandchildren? What does it look like as we jump in the car and someone cuts us off on the road? What does it look like in the workplace? In every moment where 
you're challenged to live a life that as God's ambassador, where the things we do, the tenderness of our words are meant to impact people and bring them and point them towards Jesus. So what's your circumstance? As I'm speaking this morning, I want you to think about those circumstances in your life. Is it your workplace, your home? Is it, you know, is it, is it the place where no one else knows where you are, but you have got that moment to share the love of Jesus Christ with others around you? How are you in those moments as God's ambassador? So what is an ambassador? And I'm sure you're looking at the edge of this bowl and going, I hope Mark's throwing out chart prizes. Well, he is. Who likes pop quizzes? Three people. I'll go to you first. Um, or quiz nights, even. Yes, more hands. Uh, I like quiz nights. My wife, Vanessa, can't stand them. Um, but I've got some quizzes, and I want to unpack a little bit about what different types of ambassadors are in our world. Um, so the first one I want to look at, and you can bring that first photo, is what are government ambassadors? Now, does anyone know any of these people? Can anyone tell me their name? Did it, is there a hand up? No, you're pointing going, oh, I don't know who that is. Oh, Wayne, have you got an idea? Sort of the point of the quiz, Wayne. He can't remember the name. If you're watching at home, he's put his hand up and said, I can't remember his name. Yes. Yes. Well, yes. No, uh, well, no. Close. <laughs> sort of not. Um, you're close because he's an ambassador. He's the ambassador to the US. Um, we don't have the ambassador to the US up here. Um, what we, who we do have... No one guessed. I'm going to give Wayne, because he's so brave, there's a gift. Um, these are all government ambassadors, and you can bring up the next slide. So on the left, we've got George Brandis. He's our ambassador to the UK. Um, in the middle there is Graham Fletcher. Uh, he is the ambassador to China. Um, oh, you did? Oh. Um, so... Just to put a little bit of a figure on it, and in terms of the responsibility that these people have, um, Graham Fletcher here, responsible for um, China, at, we've got $238 billion of trade that goes between us and China every year. To put that in perspective, because that number just sounds big, that's about $10,000 per head of population in Australia. So if he gets his job wrong, we're in a bit of strife. On the right-hand side there, Julianne Guevara, um, really significant. This is uh, our first Indigenous ambassador for gender equality. Um, really significant role. And her responsibility is for speaking on behalf of the government as to why our, our women, why our girls, why our young women should be equal in society, how they should be equal in all things. All areas of society, not just government leadership, but look at other opportunities across um, every part of Australia's business and international relations as well. Um, really significant. Um, and these people each, they speak on behalf of our government. So if you think about it, an ambassador, you probably start thinking about these people first up, wouldn't you? Who, who had a government ambassador on their mind when they were thinking about ambassadors? 
Yeah, it's a, it's a sort of, yep, I get it. They speak on behalf of our head of state, our prime minister, and they represent Australia on many things, trade, foreign relations, all of that. The next sort of set of ambassadors that I want to look at is brand ambassadors. And these, these brand ambassadors, they're more linked to a product. They're linked to an item. They might be linked to a, a specific brand. Uh, and it's their job to act on behalf of that brand and to, to bring a connection to that brand to a person. So they, they've got to emulate this brand. They've got to speak of um, its, its, uh, its different elements. Uh, and that can be everything from, from you know, a cup of coffee. And I think if you bring up the first one there. Who knows this guy? All right. Who knows this guy? Yep, Grant. George Clooney. If you want to win this, what is he actually promoting there? What's his brand? Yeah, yeah, but which one? Oh, you got it wrong. Someone said Nespresso. Who said that? Yeah. Sorry, Grant, you missed out. So what's significant here is not just that it's coffee, because lots of people promote coffee. It's the brand. It's Nespresso. So to give you a perspective on what this brings to George Clooney to be their brand ambassador, $40 million. Just drinking a coffee and going, oh yeah, drink this coffee with me. Um, that's my best impersonation of George Clooney. Oh yeah, drink this coffee. Um, but do you get it? He sort of emulates this brand of distinction, of class. If you drink this little coffee pod, you will look like me. I've drunk lots of those coffee pods, and I look nothing like him. <laughs> Thanks, George. Um, the next one. Who knows this guy? Yep. Do you know what he's famous for? <laughs> What's his brand that he sponsors? The George Foreman Grill. Mark, I'm not giving it to you because you're a pastor. Um, <laughs> So, George Foreman Grills. I actually didn't know this guy's a boxer. I just knew him as the guy that was a grill guy, right? So, if you bring up that, yeah, so what's that worth? Him toasting some things on a grill? $200 million. So, uh, just to give you a little insight, who's heard of Sultan Electric Grills? Anyone? No, well, it's the same thing. It's the same device, right? They were called Sultan Electric Grills before they became Foreman Grills, George Foreman Grills. And that, so what that company has done is realised, we need something special here. We need someone to represent us. Let's get a boxer. People will buy that grill there. Now, I'm sure when someone pitched that in a marketing pitch to that company, they all thought, you're kidding, right? A boxer selling a grill. How's that going to look? This big mug behind the grill. This no, it worked. And in fact, it was known as the second largest brand ambassador deal that was ever made. George Foreman has earned $200 million through that deal and continues to earn a huge amount of money through that deal. Companies pay a lot of money for these brand ambassadors. Now, the significant thing about brand ambassadors as well is that they, you know, sometimes it's actually the product that they're marketing that they've done so well in that you recognise the product, you don't even have to look at the person's face and you tie it then back to their brand ambassador. And that's what this next photo shows. So I'm going to watch this closely. Who knows this? Uh, uh, 
put your hand up. Yep, up the back. Yeah, and do you know what sort of Nikes they are? Oh, yep, Grant, you're on your way. You might get this one. Who, who does that represent? Thank you, Grant. Second time lucky. That's, I'm going to hit someone in the face. There you go, mate. Air Jordans. $1.3 billion, the biggest brand ambassador sponsorship ever known you know, in our history. And it's earned Michael Jordan $1.3 billion as an individual, far more than his basketball career. His basketball career was in the hundreds of millions, not insignificant, $1.3 billion and continues to be the greatest selling sneaker every year, makes the company in the order of $3.6 billion every year. Uh, companies pay a lot of money to link themselves to someone as a brand. They're prepared to put a lot of, of their, their asset on the line to make sure they link it with the right person. The last category of ambassadors I want to speak about is uh, probably the most emerging area, and they, this is linked to social media. And they've sort of redefined themselves from ambassadors to influencers. So who's heard of the word influencer? Probably a lot of these people in the room follow, or if you're watching online, you might follow these influencers. Um, just so you understand the magnitude and, and the potential of these influencers. Um, so last year, at the end of the year, there was a census done and they worked out that there's over 1 billion monthly active users on Instagram. 13% of the world's population is on Instagram. There's 2.6 billion users on Facebook. Over 34% of our world's population is on this as a media platform. So you can, you can see why these people who have huge amounts of followers become influencers, right? Um, and with that, brands want to link to these people because there's a massive platform there that people are looking at day in, day out. And they say, we want to we be able to push our product through these people. We want them to represent us. So they pay a lot of money for that. So the next photo here, who knows this guy? No, his name's not Mark Vortman. I know many of you were thinking that. The, yep. His, the Rock. Alan. So, unlike the other brand ambassadors where he links specifically to individual brands, he links to a number of different brands and people come at him. Dwayne Johnson is the highest followed influencer on Instagram. He's just clipped 200 million users. One post that this man makes earns him a million dollars. He makes many posts a day. This, people pay a lot of money because they see the influence this man has and they want to link in with his influence and say, can you please promote our products? Now, I, I didn't actually know that. I was fully not expecting Dwayne Johnson, the rock, to hit the top of the list. And I went, wow, I just want to look into that a bit. It's shameless marketing. <laughs> like, honestly, his posts are just like sponsoring this, sponsoring that, you know, gym clothing, all of that, and he's earning a million dollars every time he does it. These companies see that he's got a reach of 200 million people 
and they say, we want to link into that. So 10 times Australia's population, or about that, follows this man, are influenced by this man. That's just under what America's population is. You know, we're, we're not talking insignificant numbers here. So we've been through these three different types of ambassadors. You can take that photo off so people actually start listening to me again. Um, <laughs> but what does it look like for us as Christ followers? Going back to that verse again, we are ambassadors, so you're all ambassadors. If you follow Christ, if you love Christ, if you're learning and you want to know more about him, then this is a message for you as well. Um, we're all ambassadors of Christ. We are ambassadors of the anointed one to spread the message of Christ as though God were tenderly pleading through, directly through our lips. Why did God choose this approach? Why did he choose us? Why would he choose me? Someone who wants to grab those words and push them back into their mouth after he said, this whole weekend isn't about you, you know. <laughs> Why? How could he possibly think that I'm a good person to represent him in those moments? And yet he chose to. And he chooses each and every one of you in all your situations, in your worst moments, in your best moments. He chooses you none the same to say, I want you. I want you as an individual. It was his plan. It was his plan from the very beginning to choose each and every one of us, knowing full well that we would stuff up, that we would do the wrong things, that every moment of our lives we would be walking our day to day, we would be in our workplace, we would be in school and we would stuff up. And yet it was still his plan to use us. And I am blown away by that and I hope you are too. So you might be a student, you might be in the workplace, you might be talking to your children at home, you might be looking after your grandkids, you might be walking the street. Any moment you're in, you're his ambassador in that moment. You know, a lot of these brand ambassadors, these, um, these influencers, they lose it. Um, and the companies drop them because they see them in this, you know, make the wrong mistake or do the wrong thing. And what I want to unpack with you all here is that we don't. We have a God that is full of grace and that loves us regardless. It's so counterintuitive to what our world represents, um, where you can drop something and break it and you're lost and they drop you and you're discarded. We have a Christ and a, and a, and a, a God that, that picks us up as broken pieces and mends us and puts us back together and sets us on our way and say. Share my love with others. You know, as I was preparing for this message, and I said it was, it was tough for me because the elements practically that I want to talk through, I struggle with myself. Um, you know, the, I, I was putting this together and learning as I went um, and challenged, it challenged me. Um, but I had this moment when I was, when I was preparing where I was, I was reading through... Um, Jesus' first encounter with Simon Peter, and it brought, it brought a lot of comfort to my heart. And that's what I want to talk through a little bit now. So Simon Peter, um, one of Jesus' disciples, um, the first encounter he had with Jesus, um, we see that in Luke 5, verses 1 to 3, and I'll just read it out with you. On one occasion, Jesus was preaching to the crowd on, a, on, a, on the shore of Lake of Galilee, a vast multitude of people was pushing to get close to Jesus, to hear the word of God. He noticed two fishing boats at the water's edge. 
with the fishermen nearby uh, rinsing their nets. Jesus climbed into the boat belonging to Simon Peter and said to him, let me use your boat. Push it off a short distance away from the shore so I can speak to the crowd. You know, let me use your boat. Jesus saying, I need you, Peter. Can you please work with me? Can I have your help? Can you push your boat from the shore? Jesus didn't need that boat, did he? Because we see in the Bible that Jesus can actually walk on water. Do you reckon he needed that boat? Do you think the crowd would have been listening pretty intently if he walked out across the water and preached to them? He could have, could have done it in many other ways, and yet he's seen these fishermen on the side of the banks of the river, and he's walked up to Simon Peter and said, let me use your boat. Can you push it out a little bit for me? Because I want to preach to these, the magnitude of people off the edge of your boat. Jesus didn't have to use his boat, but he chose to knowing full well who Peter was. Peter, um, I think, I actually draw a lot from Peter and his character because I sort of think I'm a little bit like him, especially in those moments when I'm wanting to grab those words and put them back in my, in my mouth. Um, Peter was short-tempered. You know, he knew full well that Jesus was the saviour, the Messiah, and yet he still got frustrated with him? Why are you asking me this question three times? Who says that to the Messiah? Peter did. He gets a little bit rattled, so he slices off a soldier's ear. Who's that violent? Well, Peter is. Who lies three times and says, I don't know Jesus. No, I've never seen him before. Well, Peter did. And yet, Jesus chose him, this broken man, this short-tempered man, this violent man. Uh, yeah, he did. And he did it full well. And in fact, you see later on in, um, in Matthew 16, 8, he says, I give you the name, this is Jesus talking to Peter, I give you the name, Peter, a stone. And this rock will be the bedrock foundation on which I will build my church. So... He chose Peter, a broken man, a violent man, a short-tempered man, and yet he still said, I want to build my church on you. And as I was reading this and I was understanding it throughout the week, it really challenged me and I I thought, well, that's what God's saying to every one of us as broken people. We are his church. He is building his church on us. He knows every little aspect of your life and what you've done, what you do throughout the week, and yet he still says, I want to build my church on you, on you, on you, on you who got short-tempered with your wife this week, on you who cut someone off and swore at them and gave them the finger out the window of of the car, on you who, I'm not pointing at individuals here, by the way, Um, (laughs) on you who gets rattled at your kids and flies off the handle and yells at them, on you who... who, um, you know, got asked at school this week, why do you go to church? And you go, oh, just because mum and dad make me. He knows you, he knows your failings, and yet he still chooses you to build the church on. And when I read that, I thought, oh, thank you, God. Thank you that you know me. Thank you that you know me at my worst, and yet you still choose me. 
And I pray that this morning, that that's something that you actually draw comfort from and you take challenge from. But it's not just about that. Um, and in fact, I'm not sure if I'm actually jumping forward. I might be. Um, oh, yeah. No, I'm not. That's pretty good. So later on in, in 2 Corinthians, Paul speaks to this element because he says, you know, um, you're ambassadors and he, and he speaks even more deeply about it. And he says, oh, God wants to partner with you. Let's read it together, uh, 2 Corinthians 6, 1. Now, since we are God's co-workers, we beg you not to take God's marvelous grace for granted, allowing it to have no effect on your lives. So you can't walk throughout your day-to-day life going, it's okay, I'm forgiven. God's grace covers me, but I'm going to still do this. I'm going to yell at my wife. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I, I really query whether you really understand God's grace if you're doing that. If you really understand Jesus' love and if it's working through your life. Um, this is the challenging bit, right? Sometimes things get a little bit uncomfortable, but that's, we're all here and you're going you're gonna to work with me through to the end. Yes? good. Amen. So change is a part of what we need to do. And, and in fact, Peter is, is uh, sorry, Paul there is begging for that. And he's, he's, he's challenging people to, say, to not take God's marvelous grace for granted. Allow it to have effect on your life. Effect on your life looks like working towards being a better person. It looks like being more patient at home. It looks like being forgiving to someone who's done something wrong to you. It looks like considering your thought life and not swearing in your head at someone and then speaking out something differently. It looks like every part of us and says, allow God's grace, his marvellous grace to work within us and to do good things through us. Can you believe this? Can you actually believe that God, the creator of this universe, would choose us as broken people, doing wrong things consistently, sinning in our lives, and yet still choose us to spread his good and perfect message. It's a big challenge. It is a really big challenge. And we need help. And we actually, it's a journey that we need to go through day to day. And I want to just share with you a few practical tips this morning about what that might look like in your day to day life. So to be a, an effective ambassador or co-worker, there are important skills that we need to have. These are the things that should come into effect through God's marvellous grace in your life. Um, they, it should be a natural outworking of his marvellous grace, but it takes some effort and it takes some skills and it takes actually standing back a little bit from time to time and saying, what am I doing here? What did I just say? Why is that coming out of my mouth? God... I pray for your marvellous grace to cover that and I want to not do it again. I want to work on it better next time. So if we go back, and it might be a bit out of order, guys, but that verse there um, that we're focusing on, 2 Corinthians 5.20, I just want to show quickly um, that it's broken up into sort of three elements about what we should look at doing. The first one there is we are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ. That is about knowledge, right? Do you understand that we are ambassadors of, of the anointed one who carries the message, who carry the message of Christ? It's about knowing things, right? It's about knowing the message of Christ and carrying that. The second part of that is as though God were tenderly pleading. 
as though God were tenderly pleading. So that's about knowing stuff, but then moving beyond the know to the wisdom of understanding how to communicate it. So I'll unpack that a little bit. And the last bit there is around pleading with them directly through our lips. So it's actually the moment it, it speaks out. And it might speak out through our lips. Directly through our lips is a bit of an analogy there. It might be through your actions and what you do. That, that God's marvellous message would be outworked through your actions and what you do. So the first element, let's just look at that. And it's, um, it's about knowledge. It's about knowing we are ambassadors who carry the message of Christ to our world. If we are going to be in our worlds representing Christ, then we need to be well-founded in his knowledge his voice, his character, and who he is. And where do we get that? We get that from the Word. Um, I, um, I struggle with this, if I'm going to be vulnerable and open with you. I struggle the day-to-day routine of getting into God's Word. And it's probably the area that this message convicted me most on. Um, and in fact, the moment I do, I love it. Um, so in preparing for this, I loved unpacking and looking at the different parts and looking at how Second Corinthians links back into other parts of the Bible and how it all stitches together and speaks to the promises and the prophecies of the Old Testament and then Jesus. Like It's wonderful stuff. And yet I go in my day-to-day and I don't make the time to do this. I don't make the time to know God and who he is through reading his word. And yet his grace still covers me. You know, I I had moments where I thought, I cannot do this this morning. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a theologian. I haven't studied this. Why why would these pastors give me the trust to do this? And I'm so grateful that you did because the journey, thank you, Pastor Josh and Pastor Mark and all the pastors in this church, because the journey in me doing this has just been such a growth in my own faith. I know more about God because I spent more time in the Word preparing for this. And I pray by His grace that His marvellous grace would be outworked in my life and I would know more and more in Him every day and I would work in routines into my life so that I know Him through His Word. Can I encourage you, if you're like me and you just don't get that routine in your life of delving into the Word, you're really going to struggle with that first part of the verse. We are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ. If we're carrying a message we sort of know 25% about, or if we, if we carry a message that we're sort of a bit vague on the details around, we're a bit sort of half committed to understanding that. What sort of message is that going to be when we deliver it through our lips to others? Are you all out for this? Or is it sort of just a Sunday morning thing? I don't want it to be a Sunday morning thing in my life. I want to be all out on this. I want someone to speak to me and I want them to see what comes out of my lips and they go, oh, yeah, that guy, he's a follower of Christ. So thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you that we are all good enough despite what we know. And I just want to just reiterate that time and time again this morning, that his grace covers us. And yet we should be encouraged to do better. So the second part of that verse, which was around as though God was tenderly, as though God tenderly speaks through us, the tenderly part is about wisdom. It's about knowing how to communicate to God. 
We need to know how and when to to most effectively share Christ's love with others. It's all good to know God's love and to understand it, but if we don't have the wisdom to know how to communicate it and how to communicate that effectively with others around us, then we're not going to be an effective ambassador. If we can't share the knowledge we have with, with some sensitivity, with some wisdom, then how effective are we going to be as an ambassador? So what does that look like? Um, it looks like you looking at the people around you and knowing where they're at. It, it, it means you're putting yourselves in their shoes and understanding this context that they're in right now. It might, it might be that they've had a terrible week. The last thing they want to feel is convicted by someone, judged by someone. Um, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, if I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages and the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I didn't express myself with love, my words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. What's the key part of that verse? Love. If you're communicating things and it's out of a place that isn't love, That's not wisdom. That's not being sensitive to someone's circumstances. So do you know how to communicate it then? Um, Jeremy and Tegan, these guys got married and started this year. Started this year. I was going to say end of last year. We we were doing marriage counselling with these guys. V V and I loved it. It was such a privilege. Aren't they the best people? We love you guys. (laughs) Um... We had the amazing opportunity to spend some time with them just talking through what this next part of your relationship looks like as you move into marriage. And, and, and probably the, the thing that we reiterated time and time and time and time again with them was communication. How do you communicate with each other in your marriage? How is your communication being shared with each other through love, through the love you have for each other? What does that look like in your, in your marriage? Um, and a big part of that was that it takes listening. Um, communication, and I think there's some people here this morning who can maybe listen to this a bit. Communication is two-way. It's talking and it's listening. When I was in primary school, I, I reckon there was a lot of us doing more talking than listening, and my primary school teacher taught us a song. I don't know if they still teach it in primary school. I still remember it to this day. One mouth, two ears, which do you do the most of? So if you're talking, 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 how much do you know about the person you're talking about at the end of that conversation? Not a whole lot. Is that wise? That you're talking at someone rather than listening to them, hearing what they're, where they're at? There's a lot that can be said in your marriage about understanding a person's context and where they are. If I know that V has had a terrible day and if she walks in the front door after having a hard day at work and the kids and she's pulling her hair out, do you think the first thing I'm going to do observing that situation is say, well, dishes aren't done, right? (laughs) No. And I learnt that the hard way in the start of our marriage. And it's what we talk to you guys about, right? It's about understanding the context that you're in. And that's about listening. It's about observing the people 
that you're talking to. It's about observing your spouse at home on their situation. It's about observing, why is my kid playing out right now? Talk to them. Sit down with them. I love it. Every night I sit down, uh, we tuck Eli in and MJ, and we have a little routine, uh, and I ask Eli, I say, how was your day, mate? Yeah, it was good. Did anything bad happen, Eli? Nah, nah. Most of the time I said, nah. What was the best thing that happened, Eli? And he'll tell me a little story. And it gives me an insight into his day. It's, it's going deeper into the service and me into um, understanding him and his circumstances and listening to him. Did anything bad happen, mate? Oh, yeah, Dad. One of my friends did this and he tripped me up and I scuffed my knee. Oh, mate, are you all right? Yeah, I'm okay now. Did you play with him after? He's like, yeah, I played with him. And then we say prayers together and I'll speak through that prayer, like through the context of the day with him. It's about listening to him. And I think so often we get so busy in our lives and we come into a situation and we just talk, right? I've got an idea. You should do this, you should do that. And the person leaves and you go, what? Or you leave and the person says, what? That person didn't even listen to me. It's a real challenge for us. If we're going to be ambassadors um, for Christ, how do we actually listen to people and understand their context so that we can deliver that message of love, of grace, of freedom, of hope, of forgiveness and listen to them in their circumstances and then share that effectively with them? We are all ambassadors. We are all influencers. We all bring messages to people around us and bring influences to our children, to our wives, to our husbands, to our friends at school. We bring love and care to our children. We bring peace in our home. We bring laughter to our friends. We bring comfort to them when they're going through a hard time. And that's about us listening and understanding their circumstances and being wise about how we deliver and share with people God's marvellous grace. So the third part of that message or that verse talks about character. Um, another way of saying character is, is it's about your behaviour. It's about who you are, how you present yourself to others. It's about the outworking of the knowledge and the wisdom in how to share it. And then it actually speaks to action and moving in that out. It's the part that says tenderly through our lips. This is not a know it, understand it, full stop. No, know it, understand it, be wise about how you communicate it tenderly through your lips. And he's, so he's speaking in that moment about being tender in the way we share it. So it requires us to step beyond knowledge and wisdom. It's about walking the walk, demonstrating through our daily lives about how we know Jesus and who Jesus is in our lives. So that when other people look at us and they think, you're, you know, you're a brand ambassador of someone different. You're an influencer of someone different, something different to what I'm seeing everywhere else. What makes you different? Well, it's Christ, and he's running in all parts of our lives. Um, uh, you've probably heard, um, some, of, some people may have even said it before, oh, I'm not responsible for the way they think of me. That's their problem. Oh, I, I think yeah, that is an absolute incorrect statement to make. Uh, we are all responsible for the way we are perceived by others. It's not their problem, it's our problem. So 
If someone perceives you as a judgmental person, there's a context behind that and why are they thinking of you in that way. If someone perceives you as someone who never wants to get into any depth of conversation and you're always surface level, why, why are they thinking that? If someone perceives you to be a loving and caring person, why are they perceiving you that way? Well, it's likely because that's the way you're acting out in your day-to-day lives. It's likely because um, that's the way that you've communicated with them. Um, so... I want to unpack a little bit about this character aspect, the, the, the um, behaviours, and I've got three key points around that. And it's stuff that has worked and I've really challenged myself on in my day-to-day walk, um, in, my, in my going to work, in my coming home to my family, in my meeting with friends. Um, back in uh, when I was 22, um, I, uh, I, I was at this point in my career... Um, where I was getting given opportunities in my workplace and um, there were, they were great opportunities, but at the same time, um, I was stepping up in my ministry opportunities through my church. So I was leading a youth group, there was opportunities for us to do outreach events and things like that, and there was this real tension that I was starting to feel where it was like, like I'm getting pulled different directions, which way do I go? And I got given this um, a prophetic word or a word of encouragement uh, from a pastor. He came and he spoke to me individually and he said, Mark, you're going to live a life that wields two swords, your ministry and your work life. And you're going to wield those two swords throughout your life. And it was like a, a real defining moment for me. It was one of those moments where I thought, wow, that's come straight from God because this guy knows nothing about me and yet God's working through what he's saying to me right now. Um, I love that. I love that we've got a God who works through everyone. He, he speaks to us in, in, through guest ministries. He speaks to us through an encouraging word as a part of a message. He speaks to us through someone bumping into us and going, hey, I've been thinking about you and this is going on and I thought maybe that might be relevant to you. That was a moment for me where I knew God was talking directly to me. He said, you're wielding two swords in life. Um, and you know, there are, there are times, even now still, where I understand that these two swords and wielding two swords in life is tough, it's hard, and um, they often sort of clash with each other, right? Uh, you know, we've got All In tomorrow night, every Monday night, I have council meetings, I work at Mount Barker Council, um, and they run late into the evening. I've got a clash there between my two swords. How do I work through that? Um, I... I, I'm in a conversation and it's talking about how Scott Morrison's a Christian, you know, in the workplace. And there's this sense in me of like, do I speak up here or do I just sort of shy away and I don't want to be judgmental of these people so I'll just let them have their conversation. Do you have moments like that in the workplace here? Yeah. I, it happens all the time, all the time where you've got this, this dichotomy of, I'm a Christian, I love Jesus, I know he has grace for me, I know I want to see him outwork in my life, I know he's got his calling on my life, and yet this is happening in my world and it's it's challenging me to to be a Christian in this environment. So that prophetic word got given to me and and I understand that there's that, that, that clashing between those two swords and it really... This morning, and in preparing for this message, I really felt like that message that was given to me years ago and that helped me continue to move forward and to understand that I can wield these two things, that God's saying that to a number of you here this morning. 
Um, a number of you here this morning have those same two swords, one in your ministry, in your faith, in your beliefs, and the way you outwork your, your love for Jesus Christ, and one in the professional context or your work environment in your world, and, and God's saying, you're going to do well in both. It's not one or the other, because I need people being my ambassadors in the world, and I want to give you encouragement that even though sometimes they clang together and there's this competition between the two, that you can do it, and you can do it well. So I want to encourage all those who are in the workplace here this morning. What does Christ look like in this scenario? What does it look like in your work? What is, who does he look like in your workplace working through you as an ambassador? Well, it looks like being slow to anger. It looks like being quick to forgive. It looks like forgiving someone who's offended you. It means serving someone without expectation of return. It means speaking encouraging words that build each other up. It means, like Josh spoke about a couple of weeks ago when he was being pushed on the swing, what a great analogy, not reaching for money and stepping, stepping out to people, stepping on people to get that money, instead reaching out towards Christ and saying, I need his love and his forgiveness in my life. And drawing close to him in all those moments. You know, I've found one of the most significant things that I can do to help bring influence in my workplace is to be consistent and empathetic. Um, it's not common. Um, and I'm sure you all have someone who you go, what? what? Where did that come from? He asked me to do this or she asked me to do this and now they're doing the exact opposite that consistency and stableness and being firmly planted, I think, is something that God really can give us to be a different thing in our workplace. Um, it takes being confident in who you are. It means backing your decisions. It means um, being, being clear with others. Um, and it comes out of that place of knowledge, but also wisdom in how to communicate it. And that's a real skill set that I think we can bring. The other part of it is around empathy, um, really, that's the whole message of the cross, empathy, Christ's love for us, his concern for us, his concern for us to have forgiveness, his grace and love throughout all of our lives. You know, um, it's all good to have that and to challenge you and say you should be a nicer person in the work life, but it, it, it is tough and it, I get it, I get it. It happens every day to me as well. Um, I know when I'm too busy in life... I struggle with that. I struggle with that element. Um, you know, if I've been running day to day from meeting to meeting, from um, event to event, if I've got late nights at work, this is the part, the empathetic and being consistent, that's the part that drops out of me. And I think in those moments, who am I to represent Christ in this moment? Who am I? Why can't I just draw those words back into my mouth? And it's because I'm just too busy. So I felt really challenged this morning to just talk to those people who feel like they're busy who feel like they're running from event to event and they can't keep up. They feel like they don't know which way to go. And it's about balancing or juggling these things in life. Work, family, your health and faith. Who who's feels that issue of juggling these balls in life? I do, all the time. In fact, it's a conversation v, will, v and I would have with each other every day. How, how's that gone? How's dealing with these things going? Now, this is risky, me trying to juggle on stage, but sometimes life feels like this, right? Um, 
And I, I want to show you, and it's, it was a message, it was actually given to me by my former boss um, at my mentor's funeral a couple of years ago, where he just talked to me and my wife and he said, how are you going? Because I was stepping up and getting extra responsibilities at work. And he said, um, can I give you some advice that I wish someone gave to me early on in my career? He said, there's, there's generally three balls in life that you juggle. Your health, and I've added faith to that because it's a key part of what we do, your work and your family. And he said, two of these, they don't really bounce that well. In fact, sometimes they're often glass balls. One of them kind of bounces back, and that's work. Now, I don't want you to think that I'm saying here, that's okay, you can slack off at work. Don't worry about work, that just bounces back. You don't have to worry about that. What I'm saying is, how's that? Yeah, it's working. So we juggle things in life, right? We're juggling family. I've been out three nights this week. I don't want to drop that one. So work. Oh, I've got it back. That's all good. I'm juggling my health and my fitness, and I've dropped it. That took me a bit. I had to lean down. Let's get that back into shape. It's not smashed. You can drop your family. It's not great to do, right? It's not smashed, obliterated, irrecoverable, and that's why we can work with God and his grace in those moments. But work, it bounces a bit, right? And we juggle again, and we're busy, and we're thinking. Now, the objective, right, is to not drop any of these. I'm going to keep juggling them. But my eye right now is on the green ball. How's work looking? Is it taking too much time? Is it taking me away from my health and my life and my family? Yeah, it is. All right. But I've got it back. Do you get what I'm saying? We can get all consumed by this part. It doesn't look so good juggling this on its own, does it? I've got people in my life that have done that close to me. And this is all they're left with. What a lonely place. That? Work? No, I want this in my life here. And for some of you, I don't want you to think if this is friends, because family is not a thing, that that's any less important. I just use this as an example, and I want to challenge us all here today. If you are busy, flat out, and you're juggling, and you just can't work out which one you're doing, just think about what's going to bounce back. Um, we are so fortunate in our country that we have employment, that we have options. We are fortunate that we have generous environments where we can work um, and have good conditions of employment. It generally does bounce back. If you do drop it, it's okay. If you drop these, it's okay. God will help you mend those things in your life. But I just wanted to challenge you all to think about that and think about where's your focus on. So the second one is like about not being hypocritical. You know, the fact is people do not want to be judged in their day-to-day life. People, if they're speaking to you, if you're speaking your own views or opinion, um, it's about being humble and speaking tender words to them. Tenderly through his lips is what the verse says. Very few people get judged into life change. Far more get loved into it. Think about that through the lens of your own marriage, a relationship, your friends, 
He can't love them and judge them at the same time. Very few people get judged into life change. Far more get loved into it. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 5, you're being hypocritical. You are a hypocrite with an exclamation mark at the end. First, acknowledge and deal with your own blind spots and then you'll be capable of dealing with the blind spot of your friend. The truth is, as much as I hate it, I'm a hypocrite. I'm not always loving a loving husband, a great friend, a forgiving brother, a patient boss or a compassionate friend. I'm not who I want to be yet, and yet I'm on this journey with God who wants me to be a better person, whose grace fills me, and each step of the way I'm moving towards him being closer and being changed in Christ. And I believe that that's the reality for each and every one of us here this morning. We can come out of our moments of being in the bottom of dropping balls in our life, and yet God's grace brings us out of it. When you admit your shortcomings, you build a bridge between you and others. That's why I love this church so much, is that we speak and the messages we hear about acknowledging our shortcomings, acknowledging the areas that we need to be stronger in. And in that moment, people go, they're not just this Christian who thinks they're so good, who's got it all together, but they're actually going through the same stuff I'm going through. But there's something different. Why do they have this hope Why are they moving one day to the next and getting better? And that's our challenge. The last element I want to talk about under this sort of behavior and character is about being a genuine friend. Our world needs good friends. Our world needs people who will encourage others around them, who will come close to them. We need to actively pursue these meaningful friendships. We need to be genuine friends with people who are far from God. That's the moment where we're his ambassadors. That's when we're representing his love in their environment. Jesus went so much deeper than thinking of as people as projects. And that's a real challenge, I think, for all of us, is that we don't look at people as projects. We look at people as people, as God's creation as people who deserve to be listened to, as people who deserve to be loved, as people who deserve to understand God's grace, not a project, oh, if only I can get them, that person over there into church. If only I can do this, if only I can do that. Love them where they're at. Love them for who they are. Christ saved them. He loved them where they were at. Jesus was everyone's friend. He spoke to people who were in different networks and systems. He spoke to um, you know, people who had been murderers. He spoke to people who had been adulterers. And yet he sat down with them and shared a meal. He sat down with them and cooked his disciples breakfast in the beach in the morning. He was a friend. He was a genuine friend to those people around us. So I've got a great idea for all of you. Why don't you start liking people first? Because if they don't think you like them, what makes you think that you love them enough to share the message of Christ with them? Yeah, let's not be judgmental people. Let's be grace-filled people who love our community and love those around us. So um, I hope you've got a, a bit of a grasp this morning of the fact that God has called us to be ambassadors in different situations in our life. Um, you know, companies pay huge amounts of money, right, for ambassadors. Um, 
people, companies put a lot of responsibility on people to be their ambassadors. Our government places a lot of weight and responsibility and they do a lot of checking and screening of people before they become ambassadors. What has God done for us to be ambassadors? What did he pay for us to be ambassadors? You know, forget about $40 million for holding a cup of coffee up. Forget about 200 million followers and a million per post on social media. Forget about $1.3 billion for a sneaker. I'm concerned about the fact that God gave his son for me. He gave his son for you. That's the price God paid for you to be his ambassador. Don't feel overwhelmed by that. Don't feel like you can't do it because he knows who you are and he knows you're going to stuff up day to day and yet he still wants you to be that person who shares love with others around them. Would you all like to stand with me? You know, people aren't going to see the love of Jesus through the structure and the bricks of this building. They're actually going to see Jesus through you as individuals as you leave this place. We don't come in here to glorify this church. We come in this place to glorify God, to learn about our Saviour Jesus Christ, to learn about the promises He has over our life, the, 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 the gifts He's given us and how we can outwork them and, and be challenged about that. It's not the structure of this building. It's the people as they leave this building and putting it into action and having His marvellous grace tenderly being shared through their lips. Um, I'll just bring up this last photo here. Who's this guy? <laughs> That's me. I'm not defined by my work. I'm not defined by the fact that I'm a manager in local government. I'm not an ambassador in that role for them. You can put up the next. I'm an ambassador of Christ. That's who I am. That's who defines me. That's who defines you in your circumstances. You are ambassadors of Christ. It doesn't matter about what goes on day to day. It's about the fact that you... Christ has chosen you to represent him, to share his message of hope and love and joy and peace and kindness and mercy, of hope, of grace with others around you. So let's pray together. God, I thank you that you're with each and every one of us. I thank you that you've called us to be in the situation that we are, our going outs and our lying down, our going into our work tomorrow, our, walk, our coming out of this and walking into our home environment. And I thank you that you have called us to be in that circumstance for good reason. Lord, I thank you that you are with each and every one of us. And I pray right now that if there are people in this place that feel like they just can't do it, they're not good enough, they haven't got the skills, or maybe I can't do it because I made this mistake or that mistake, that God, you would leave that right now, that they would drop that on the floor, that you would bring instead your love and grace and mercy and forgiveness into their life and that they instead would be feeling your love working through their life. You know, there's a, a point in the Bible where um, there's a, a woman who has been bleeding for some time. She would have been ostracized by a community and she said, and yet if I can just grab God's garment or Jesus's garment, I will be healed. She spoke out that promise as she reached out. That's what the Bible says. If I might touch his garment. 
And that's what God's saying to you this morning. He's saying, if you might speak out my promises over your life, you will be healed. Jesus turned back to the woman in that moment and said, by your faith, you have been healed. And there's a lot of you this morning that you haven't spoken his promises over your life. And God's saying, I want to work in your life. Speak it out. Believe it because I can bring healing. I can bring healing to your mind. I can bring healing to your circumstances. I can bring healing to your relationships. I love you and I want you to work on behalf of me. I've called you into that purpose in your life. So Lord, we we speak against that. Anything that would stop us from reaching you and speaking your love out into our environments, into our workplaces, wherever we might be, Father, we pray you use us that your grace, your marvellous grace will be outworked through us, each and every one of us as we go out into our worlds, that our life would be a calling to you, a, 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 that we would be ambassadors that speak of your love in our world. In Jesus name. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at LifeHouse. God's house, our home.